Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 424. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we've got Kevin Rankshaw. Hey Kevin. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, it's going pretty well. How about yourself? Oh, it's going all right. All right. Great. This yeah. week on the show, we'll be taking a look at Halloween Kills, the much anticipated sequel to David Gordon Green's Halloween pseudo sequel reboot thing that came out a couple years ago. Also be going over some of the watching on the watch list and this week's new releases in theaters and on VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be very helpful. Just a quick housekeeping bit. The new Save by the 90s has been recorded. I'm in the process of editing it right now, so it should be out relatively soon. We tackled sci-fi horror movies of the 90s this month, and that includes reviews of... Event Horizon, Cube, Classic, Brain Scan, starring Edward Furlong, and Species. Oh. So, yeah, check that. That was that was fun to revisit some of those. So, stay tuned for that. Uh, there, I'll be uh, announcing the release of that on um, social media. So, all right, let's go ahead and d- uh, dive into our review. We're talking about Halloween Kills. This is directed by David Gordon Green. Uh, I have a synopsis here. The saga of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode continues in the next thrilling chapter of the Halloween series. That's the best uh, IMDb could do with that synopsis. I bet I have an email that has a better synopsis, but just for fun, I like to stick with the IMDb ones. Oh, yeah. So you and I both saw this yesterday. It is playing in theaters and it's on Peacock, which I totally didn't even know. You told me about this. You're like, hey, Halloween Kills, Peacock. I'm like, what? And I have Peacock, uh, as it happens. What? So, yeah. Uh, I, I just, I love that. The, I love those, that string of developments where I was like, hey, I think this is on streaming. And you're like, no, it's not. And I'm pretty sure I was annoying the hell out of you. And then I was like, no, I, I read it's on Peacock. And then you're like, oh my God, it is. I have Peacock. And I was like, oh shit, we can watch this. <laughs> well, like, I thought... I thought it was at first I thought you were saying like it's going to be coming to Peacock later, which made sense. But I didn't know at first that you were like, yeah, it's out now day and date on the Peacock service. So, yeah, I was really excited uh, to to be able to to catch. I mean, I was going to go see it in the theater anyway. So but my wife really wasn't interested. So this this worked out good. Perfect, man. And I saved you some gas. Gas prices are ridiculous right now. Yeah, what's up with that? I, I heard about that. It's, Crazy. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, supply chain. Yeah. What, what a nightmare we live in. So <laughs> I I enjoyed the last Halloween. If I remember correctly, you were pretty pretty much okay on it too, right? You were like, yeah, you liked was, it. You didn't it love right. it. And that's kind of how I thought about it i watched it twice i think we had ryan watch it for ryan watches movie and uh, i rewatched it for that and i i still enjoyed it so i was pretty excited going into this one now one thing that i noticed about peacock that i do not like at all is the fact that they have when you when you're watching a movie they have the rotten tomatoes score always showing on the the like the player i don't know if you noticed that so like if you hit pause or whatever like you know where where it shows where you're at in the movie the rotten tomato score is always there next to the title and that really bothers me because i feel like there at this there's too much weight on the rotten tomato score and I, i say this as someone who is a tomato meter approved critic like it's it's too much like yeah there's there's no need for it to be everywhere and yeah you know for them to be doing like like how who owns them how like how they get so powerful somebody owns them they're not their. They're, i don't think they're their own oh you know fandango mm-hmm. owns them but still like why did people agree to this i don't i don't know i don't know like why if you're NBC, so... why are you like yeah let's put the tomato score which is just a just a lovely turn of phrase to hear it's just it's you know to be to be you know to work your whole life 
to try and make, you know, how difficult it is to make a movie, to be cast yeah. in a movie, that all those things, you know, that industry as a whole, and then to be hung up and utter the words tomato score. <laughs> What's your tomato meter score? There's, yeah, there, there is so much weight on it now. It got to the point, so like, just to, just to get a little bit inside baseball, the podcast, the Film Falls podcast, the, the, the show you're listening to now, was not on Rotten Tomatoes. So we did this completely separate from when I would write my own personal written reviews. Like all of those would go yeah. on, the, all of those would go up on Rotten Tomatoes because I'm on Rotten Tomatoes as a critic. However, there were so many movies that we reviewed on this show that the like the PR people, sometimes the filmmakers, they would actually contact Rotten Tomatoes and ask that our review be featured on there that we did in the podcast. So Rotten Tomatoes actually reached out to me and they added our podcast to Rotten Tomatoes because that score is just so important and there's so much weight attached to it these days. That, it's just that, another weird weird thing yeah too. and it, like to take that a little bit further in terms of the amount of work that it takes and a lot of it's just luck dumb luck it thinks you know the, mm-hmm. the planets aligning and then you out of the word tomato score but then also to be like okay the tomato score that is created in part by just two random guys that Grew up in central Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's like the, mo- shit. It's the most arbitrary thing. And, and also like there was like, there was a time I'm, I'm not going to say the specific movie, but there was a, there was one moment when I gave a score of five and a half out of 10 to a movie, which meant that it was rotten on the, the scale. So if you're doing out of 10, it needs to be a six out of 10 in order to be fresh and see, that's, that's the problem. We've talked about this before. The problem with rotten tomatoes is it's either good or bad. There's no in between. It's either a good movie or a garbage movie. And there was a situation where I gave a movie a, a score that made it just, just at that rotten level. And it skewed the average down to where that movie, when you go to rot- the Rotten Tomatoes page, it was rotten because of that. And, mm. you know, the filmmaker ended up reaching out to me and stuff. And it, it was just a bad situation. It was just, and I, yeah. I, I think that Rotten Tomatoes is fine. It's a fine site for people who they're not sure about a movie or whatever. They, they, they want to see what people are saying or what critics are saying before they go spend their money and go see it. And I get that. I, I understand why it exists. And I like being a critic on Rotten Tomatoes, but at the same time, to, to, ha- to put that much emphasis on j- the score and to have it be like on these streaming services where every time I pause the pause Halloween kills, the Rotten Tomatoes score is in my face. Like, I just don't think that that's good. I think that that's counterproductive when it comes to watching movies because you're going to be influenced by that score it's staring well i also like that this movie has a bad score so it's essentially like any time that you pause this right the peacock is like are you sure like what the fuck you did like it's rotten yeah and and the funny (laughs) thing is like they're really proud of it you know they're putting their force behind this when you go to the peacock website it's like on the homepage. shows up watch halloween kills now but it's like you click on it and it's like 43% rotten and you're just like uh all right maybe i won't i don't know it's just it's weird man like i don't it is i don't think it should should exist like that anyway now that uh, my little rotten tomatoes tangent is over let's talk about halloween kills uh unfortunately i agree with the the Rotten Tomatoes score on this one, uh, I, I think that it started off for me really strong. Like I, I, I was like, you know, I saw that score when I hit play, so I knew that it was like sitting at a rotten score, forty three percent. So it's like, oh, it's like not horrible, but 
And I was like, oh, I, I don't. After the first like 20 minutes, I was just like, I don't get what people are hating about this. Like, this is awesome. Uh, but after I would say like maybe the 35 minute mark, it takes a very drastic turn and just completely bottomed out for me. Like it just went downhill so fast for me mm-hmm. that I was left. I was like gobsmacked at, at the complete 180 that this movie takes. And it was almost like it was like two different movies for me. Like there was th- that, that first 30 minutes, I was loving it. But from that hospital scene with the crowd, you know, the one I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But from that point, the movie completely changes. And I was just like, this is awful. This nothing about this is fun. Nothing about this is scary. I just, I was just so checked out when that whole thing started up, which is so, so disappointing because I think that the, the, the idea of this movie, like the, the concept, excuse me, the concept of it, I think is really cool. Like what the dumb IMDB synopsis doesn't tell you is that, you know, we know that Michael Myers survives the events of the 2018 Halloween. This takes place on the same night, by the way, which I think is cool when movies do that. And you have what is essentially survivors of Michael Myers, like getting the community together and forming like a militia to go after him and kill him. And I think that that in and of itself is a cool idea. However, where they go with it is lame. And I was not on board at all with how they developed that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, unlike you, I was not hooked in the beginning of this movie. I actually saw it uh, kind of the opposite, where I felt like the the opening of this, and just the whole thing as, as a whole, honestly. But the opening really had me worried, uh, because it just it felt like a mess. It just, there's so many cuts, and there's so many, we're going back and forth between time, we're introducing so many people, and yes, I do kind of like this idea of the survivors throughout, you know, getting together to take them down. So there, there was a little bit of interest in that part, but the way in which that it was set up between, you know, the flashbacks and introducing these people and it just, it just felt like a goddamn mess. And I was just really worried like, okay, this is really sloppy right out the gate. I am not... This does not feel not feel good. And then, like you said, what what they end up doing with it, uh, not only is it just does it get kind of lame, uh, but like the writing's really bad, which just kind of surprising coming from David Gordon Green and Danny McBride. There's yeah. just some really laughable lines in this movie that just are fucking dumb as hell. I mean, I think that what it was was they tried to inject this like social commentary into it, and I don't think that that worked. Like, like this is a Halloween yeah. movie. Like, just have it be a Halloween movie. Just let's just have a scary, you know, bloody fun time. Why do we have to like get into this whole like? he's turning us into monsters and like the, 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 the crazed militia thing, you know, like, well, I like, come on, there's there's the whole, you know, at his house, his childhood home and he stands at the window. Mm -hmm. But what if he's not looking out? What if he's looking Looking at himself? Yeah. I'm like, what the, shut the fuck up. Are you serious? Are you going to put that in there? You mean to tell me there's not a single mirror in that house that he couldn't just look at himself in the mirror? Right? Like, it wasn't, wasn't the, when he killed his sister, she was at her like little vanity thing looking at herself in the mirror. So. Fucking, it's just, it feels like this, like, Honestly, this this doesn't feel like a Halloween movie to me at nah. all. Like, there's Michael Myers, well, right? And that's, yeah, but yeah, like that's the thing. That's why I liked the beginning because to me, the beginning did feel like m- more like a Halloween movie. You know, the the flashback <laughs> that was in the '70s, and you had the you know the scene with Jim Cummings, and then like the uh, 
I, I, I actually did like the, the scene when he was coming out of the building and he had his confrontation with the firefighters. Like I thought that was a badass scene. Now, did that feel like a Halloween movie? No, not, yeah. not really. It was like yeah. an action movie, but, but still I thought that the way it looked, I mean, him emerging from that, like the burning building and stuff I thought looked just looked badass. And that's the thing. Like there's a lot of scenes in this that I think visually looked good. Like they they were, you know, a little bit stylish. And so there, there were certain visual elements that I thought looked really cool like the movie itself looks polished. I like I like the aesthetic of, of it and everything. Like the flashback scenes I thought looked really good. But yeah, it's just like where it goes is just not it's just so lackluster, man. And like the the whole thing that I liked about David Gordon Green's version was that the people were pretty smart. I mean, at this point you have Laurie Strode you know, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, she's been preparing for this her whole life. You know, she is like a trained badass killer. And then you have her daughter played by, by Judy Greer, who, you know, she raised her daughter and trained her up too. So she, she knows a thing or two about survival, but then you have this scene at the end. I'm not going to spoil anything about this movie, but there's something that happens at the end where you're just like, what are you like? You know, this guy, you know, Michael Myers, why (laughs) would you do that? You're so freaking dumb. Yeah. Specifically the Anthony Michael Hall character. I like that they, that they, that he was playing Tommy Doyle. I thought that that was kind of cool. They brought him in as Tommy Doyle. He wasn't the original. No, there's no way he was the original Tommy Doyle. I hope he was, but no, I'm pretty sure he wasn't. There's no way he was. But, he was too I, young. Think, I think that's another thing that kind of, irritated with me with it on a couple of different levels one uh i hate i hate the idea and i know this is how most movies are made now but i hate that you can tell that when they started this a halloween trilogy of sorts um that it wasn't prior to filming written out as a trail you know you can tell that they're trying to make this of the moment and they're kind of like you know they, maybe they were surprised by the first one. They're like, oh shit, we have to write a second one. Okay, well, here we go. But it also feels like not only they're trying to make it up the moment, but it feels like they were forced into making it where, <laughs> you know, like they had to make it now. And Jamie Lee Curtis was like, I'm sorry, I'm busy. I can't, I can't be in it. And they're like, okay, well, we'll have you do like a couple scenes in a hospital. And that's it. Cause she's not in this yeah, movie. Yeah, she's not really. Well, I mean, I think that. Yeah, I don't I don't know if they were planning on the sequel to begin with. If they were, they sort of wrote themselves into a corner with her being very gravely injured at the end of the the last one. So, I mean, really if the, if they were going to do it and they wanted to do it in the same night, it makes it makes more sense that she would be kind of stuck in the hospital because she's pretty much dead, you know. Uh and the same with the 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 cop uh Will Patton's character, Officer Hawkins, like you think that he's dead in, in the last one. So somehow, somehow, which, okay. I mean, that could be slightly interesting in that, you know, she gets sidelined. So Judy Greer, who is, you know, raised with this, but she kind of went off and tried to make her own life and tried to forget about this. And now she's pulled back into it. Okay. Maybe she has to finish this, but like you said, it makes no goddamn sense at the end. Yeah, I and think that they, they just, I, everything was blundered at the end. Like, the end was just so disappointing. You know, this was supposed to, I feel like this series was supposed to be like, it was supposed to capture everything that made the the Halloween series fun and alluring, but also modernize it to the point where, like, it sort of, circumvents some of those tropes some of those kind of 80s slasher movie tropes but at the end of this movie does not i mean it just feels so dumb like just so dumb at the end i was just so disappointed well and also it's just like they turned it into not a halloween movie no 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 it really feels like like he just he feels like an action anti-hero where he's just 
I mean, and he's old as fuck, but for some reason now he's just, he's spry as hell. He's got so much agility. Well, we know that he's got supernatural, but he's also got powers. Yeah, but they also speed him up a little bit. Like he's a slow ass dude and he just, he, he catches you. He, they did but make no, him. He's taking on like fifteen people. That's one, at once. Yeah, that's one thing I definitely noticed about this one is that they made him a lot more like just fast and aggressive. Like you know, he's, just, he's called the shape. So like the whole the the thing that made him creepy was that how he would just stand around and you, yeah. you know like yeah you didn't really see him running ever, which is you know bravo to the carpenter. Is that he he made a horror movie with the William Shatner mask <laughs> for you know decades, and it's just a guy standing. I'll Who's tell you, standing? I mean, the original Halloween, it still holds up, man. It is so good. Yeah, it, it's but I do wonder one of, one of the best horror movies ever made. But I think that's one of those. That's one of those instances where his music, mm. coupled with the execution. Just takes it takes it over the top. Yeah, because I think if you don't have that music in that original movie, and you just have like a very mediocre score, you're just like, oh, this is alright. No, yeah, the, the the music, yeah, Carpenter's score is like a hundred percent. is so identifiable. Like it, it goes hand in hand. I mean, it's it's almost as iconic as the mask itself. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now the one thing writing wise. That I did appreciate, but it was a little bit, it didn't, you know, it didn't overcome all the, the issues that I have with this movie. But I did like, you know, there's that little, the voiceover with, uh, you know, he's the, he's turning us into monsters. Mm-hmm. And what if he's the hate that divides us, you know, all that poignant uh, of the moment commentary that we so desperately needed from David Gordon Green and Danny McBride. <laughs> In, Halloween in, Halloween, in a Halloween sequel. Also, Scott Teams. Sorry that I keep. Yeah. Scott Teams Erasure. Sorry. Um, I did like, like, as they're doing that, you know, and you, you see this. Uh, I guess that would spoil it, though. Mm, yeah, I think that that would probably s- spoil it. Okay. We'll do a spoiler section. Because that was the one thing where I was like, okay, I, I mean, I kind of like that, but. A little bit, yeah. Too little, too late. All right, uh, let's go ahead. Before we get into a spoiler section, we'll we'll be putting that at the end of the show. Let's go ahead and give this a score, Kevin. What are you going to give Halloween Kills? Um, it's just a goddamn mess. And I will say that I really appreciate between this and watching Midnight Mass, my last couple of days just really, you know, featuring a lot of Robert Longstreet. Really oh, yeah. appreciate that. A lot of long big street. fan. Yeah, wonderful. Love it. And it's it's odd to go from Midnight Mass with the big ass beard to clean shaven Long Street. You don't get a lot of clean shaven Long Street nowadays. No, but uh, I really appreciate that. I enjoyed that. The big John Little John thing was annoying as hell. Yeah, it's just a goddamn mess. And then the commentary thing was just so poorly written. It's just so surface level mm-hmm. and on the nose. Just, oh, man. I did like, I got to say, I did like some of the kills. I mean, uh, yeah, it, it was pretty brutal. Yeah, before we ended off, I did want to mention that, that the, the body count was significantly higher this, this time around. And they upped the he gore. He kills the whole town. He kills the whole town. Yeah, they, they definitely the upped the gore town. in this one. I, I oh, yeah. yeah, I really liked the kills. I thought it was it was good as far as uh, all the, the kills go. There there were some surprises in there. There there was one there was one it wasn't even a a kill really that a death that happened that, that surprised me. Yeah. That I thought was kind of funny. An inadvertent suicide. Mm. So yeah, that, that was a but that was good. I thought like all the uh, makeup effects and stuff was was spot on too. Yeah. It's just it's just too much of a mess for me, and not in a good way. Same. It's not an endearing mess. All right, what are you gonna give it out of ten? Hmm. Boy, like a three. I'm sitting at a four on this one. So yeah, 
There you go, Halloween Kills. It is in theaters and on Peacock if you're a premium member right now. All right, let's take a look at what we have on our watch list. Uh, I don't have much this week. I, like you, have been watching Midnight Mass. I finished it last night. Or actually, oh, was, wait. I guess it was two nights ago. Uh, really incredible. Uh, if, if you guys haven't started Midnight Mass yet, I, I suggest you dive into it. It's not like I, I wouldn't go into it expecting Haunting of Hill House or anything like that. Like, it's not like terrifying. It's not traditionally scary. Yeah. It's, it's much better than what was the Bly Manor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's way better than that. Not not to say yeah. I didn't like Bly Manor. I just wasn't. I just wasn't in, very engaged with that story. In fact, I pretty much forgot that that movie there that show existed. So. It's just that was one of those instances of just let's draw out everything. Yeah, yeah. It was okay, but uh, yeah, compared to Bly Manor, this is like way above and beyond. I mean, this this show is like top tier Flanagan here. It's I w- I do wish it was a bit more scary. Like I, I wish there were some more horror elements to it, but. Again, with like Mike Flanagan, the, the horror elements always sort of take uh, a backseat to the the characters and the interaction between the characters. Tons of monologues in this. If you if you like movies that have really heavy monologues, like this movie, this show is so chock full of monologues, it's insane. Yeah, we could have cut some of them. I think. Oh, dude, and and a lot of them are very long too. So it's. Mm-hmm. Pretty intense monologuing. Anyway, uh, so the only movie I saw uh, was one called Bingo Hell. This is one of the Blumhouse Amazon Prime movies that that dropped this Halloween season. There's like four of them that came out or something. Anyway, this one's directed by uh, GJ, uh, GG Saul Guerrero. And it's about a an area called Oak Springs where there is it's it's an old neighborhood and there's a lot of elderly people that live there and basically their community is becoming gentrified and they're not happy about it. People are moving out. Companies are coming in. These like hipster companies are coming in coffee shops and craft beer places and whatever coming in and buying out, buying up the uh, storefronts and stuff, pricing people out. And um, this bingo parlor opens up and it is run by this guy named Mr. Big. And it's uh, actually uh, Richard Brake who plays Mr. Big. And he's such a creepy dude, like super creepy and everything that he's in. He's such a good horror actor unfortunately this movie is absolute garbage i really hated it from start to finish like i just could not get into it i tend to like movies about gentrification but for whatever reason this one just it was so ugly like everything about this movie just looked horrible and the story was just all over the place nothing felt cohesive and it was just a real disappointment. I think that this director, Gigi Guerrero, I think that she has a lot of promise. She did Culture Shock, which was uh, another Blumhouse. Uh, it was like a Hulu one. And that was pretty, pretty good. And I heard that some of her other, uh, some of her other films, uh, um, which it called Barbarous Mexico. I heard that that was pretty good too. So I think that she has a lot of promises as a director, but I think that this project was just not the right fit for her necessarily. It just, I don't know. It felt really cheap. It felt like a TV show, almost like a, an episode of tales from the crypt, okay. not like a, an actual movie. So yeah, bingo hell cannot recommend it. Just don't waste your time with it. I have one that I have no idea what to think. Honestly, I still don't know what to think. And that's house 
from 1986, the Steve Miner American mm. House. Not the Japanese, not, the, not that one. This the American is one. The eight, this is the American 80s, whatever the hell that it is. Ding dong, not you're sh- dead. Ding dong, you're dead. Roger Cobb, who is a horror author that everyone just recognizes, just everyone knows authors back in the 80s. Yeah. Everyone's a huge fucking fan of this guy. So he moves in to, God damn it, I can't even remember if it was his, his aunt's house. There's something off about this house, man. Weird stuff going on. It's like it tricks you. It knows everything about you. But he goes there, and he wants to get some writing done. He also, you know, maybe he finds his son that went missing at the house years ago. Who knows? But he's got some stuff he's got to deal with. And most notably is that he's writing this. He's got to write this book about his experience in the Vietnam War. And this movie is just so fucking weird. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not necessarily in a good way, just in a way that seems like they couldn't decide what they wanted this to be. Tonally, it's all over the place. Like, it'll be just, like, silly. And then it's doing, you know, like, Vietnam trauma-type stuff. But then those flashbacks are also just absolutely silly. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, one thing that I'll say is I really like the like the practical effects of this, like the the costuming mm-hmm. and everything, like the creature design. Like it was just great. I really enjoyed that. The puppetry is wonderful, and I like towards the end where he kind of like finds like secret portals in the house. And just, like, the layout of it and, you know, the surprising turns that it takes. But everything else just, I mean, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, I don't know if this is good or bad. I don't know whether to recommend it or not. I'm just baffled by it, really. It's just such a weird movie. (laughs) Hmm. I, um... I remember having fun with this one. However, I gave it a two on Letterboxd. So that's what I mean. Like it is fun, but I don't know if it's always necessarily fun in the way they want it to be fun. I think there's times where it, it does like lean into the silliness where you're like, okay, this is fun. We're having a good time. It's lighthearted. And then there's other times where they try and go the serious route, but that comes off as sillier than the, you know, the, the silly aims that they have, I, like I don't know. It's just back and forth. It's a wild ride. It's a weird one. Well, at least it's better than House Three: The Second Story. Oh, yeah, probably. I don't even need to watch that to know. Uh, well, that that one. Sorry, did I say House Three: The Second Story? If, yes. If so, <laughs> if so, I was typing House Three when I wanted to say House Two. The second story. Oh, so there's a second one. Yeah, there's a second one. How? How? It's separate. Like it's really, it's in name only. Really, it's just really bizarre. Like there's a section where like the the neighbor brings her kid over, which just seems completely out of nowhere and unnecessary. Just bizarre. Just bizarre. And then like he does find his son, but it's been a couple of years. Like. Who was feeding this kid? <laughs> what? I don't. Just weird. It's a just weird a weird Yeah. There is a third one too called The Horror Show. House Three, The Horror Show. Wow. I don't think any I of them are them like. All. They're not actual sequels. They're just like they're separate stories about haunted houses, I guess. I just. I like the idea. I like the idea of a house knowing everything about you. And using that to its advantage. Dick, how, dickhead house. Dickhead house. Just being a fucking dick. Just, just pull, just poking at you, just pissing you off. Yeah. Just with, and I like that it's creatures too. Mm-hmm. Why not? Like two creatures just show up and take that kid up the chimney. Who are the creatures? Why are they interested in that kid? The fuck are they doing? All right, so that is. House. No, I have more questions about okay. house. <laughs> you help me answer, okay? I, I don't know. I can't answer these questions. Okay. It's a weird movie. 
It is. It's some. It is some. Uh, anything else on your list? Uh, just Midnight Mass, like you. I'm not as deep as you are. Uh, and then X-Files with John Doggett. Oh, so you're getting towards the end. Yeah, John Doggett. Is it Doggett or Daggett? Doggett. 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 Mm. Who's those Daggett? He's, he's such a fucking asshole. Fucking dick. I, I stopped watching it during those seasons, so I think that there's a lot that I missed. It is, it's funny because they essentially, they essentially make him the new Scully, where he's like, well, this is ridiculous. There's no way it's going to be that. And now Scully has to kind of play the Mulder role, mm-hmm. where she's like, I've seen some things over the years, so keep an open mind. Mm-hmm. And they do have fun with it, where the one episode they fight a metal man. And oh, at one nice. point he is like, he is like, you're telling me that there's a guy out there made of like super alloy metal. Come on, Scully. And she's just like, keep an open mind. And I was like, nice. Good work. So you got to the cops episode, the cops crossover. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that I love that one, man. That one's so good that they did a freaking cops crossover. It was, uh, yeah, they do. I like when they do the fun stuff on that show. Oh, yeah, man. They, they have some really cool ones. Between that and the myth arc. That stuff's always good, but man, when they miss, what do they miss? Oh, yeah. I actually was never a fan of, like, when they would try to do, like, the big government conspiracy theory type stuff. I enjoy that. I enjoy those. Because I like how they have that narrative in the show, but it's not always the show. Yeah, I like that. I like when it's, uh, so it's like two shows in one. You know? Yeah. I always, maybe it was just because it was, I haven't revisited the series like in, like properly since I was a kid. But anytime that they would have one of those episodes where it mainly focus on the, like the cigarette smoking man and stuff like that, yeah. I would just tune out. Like I'd want monsters and stuff. But I got to imagine that, that that probably back in the day, that probably was annoying as hell because it even is a little bit. When I'm streaming it at home, because, you know, back in the day, you would have to wait a week yeah, to see the next episode. And this happens at home where I have all the episodes at my disposal. I watch one at night and like, it's not the government thing. And I'm like, oh, man, when are they going to get back to the government thing? Well, maybe maybe tomorrow night when I watch that episode and then I watch that one and it's not. And it's like, man, come on. <laughs> get there. Get there with it. What are you th- Let's come go on here. All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. Dune is the biggie. Oh, that's that's the one. You're, I know you're excited about Dune. I'm excited. I'm mildly excited about Dune. Okay. I'm not the biggest Dune fan, to be honest with you. I like Dune. I mean, I liked Lynch's Dune. See, I... I now, now, granted, I saw this when I was very young. So I think as like you know, a 10 year old it's it, yeah. dude is not really the movie for you. No, no, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe if I revisited Lynch's Dune now, I'd, I'd have a, I'd like it a lot more. This is more of my, this is my wife's thing. She, she's read Dune. She's, oh really? She's really, yeah, she is. She's big into Dune. Big Dune head. Oh man. Big old Dune it, head. It, they, there should be some sort of like nickname for Dune fans, like you know Trekkies. It's probably Doonies. Doonies? You think Doonies yeah, is Dooney? The... I'm gonna look it up. The internet. <laughs> what, what, are they they Dune? what are they called? Rabid Dune fans. Either way, I'm I'm pretty excited for this. I'm sure that it it will at the very least be a visual spectacle. So we we have that to look forward to. So yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be. I'll, we'll be reviewing Dune next week for sure. Oh, definitely. Uh, we also have Ron's Gone Wrong. This is an animated film, so check out Ron's Gone Wrong. Did you say Ron's? Ron. Yeah, like the, na- like the name Ron. But multiple Ron's? No, like Plural? Ron apostrophe S. Uh, okay. Ron's gone wrong. <laughs> There's an army of Rons, and they've all gone wrong. I thought maybe. I'm not. I'm actually not too sure about what this is. I think it's about a, a kid and like a robot or something. I don't know. Well, Ron is voiced by Zach Galifianakis. 
All right. All right, let's take a look at what we have on VOD this week. On the 18th, we have Soul of a Farmer. Looks like a documentary. Follows Patty Gentry, a former chef, as she battles to earn a living on her three-acre farm on Long Island. Mm. That's going to be tough, three acres. Oof. Oof. Boy, not gonna be making a lot of money. Oh no, no, you gotta you gotta work those crops. You gotta get that. You gotta you gotta work every single inch mm-hmm. of that land. We got Women Is Losers on HBO Max. Then on the nineteenth, we have Mothers of Revolution, White Tail, A Magical Journey, and a uh, oh, sorry Christmas on the Carousel. Got Christmas movies coming out already. October. All right. The Lockdown Hauntings. Capitalize on that uh, COVID there. Mm-hmm. Got it. We got Ouija Japan. All right. Capitalize on the uh, Ouija film that came out like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Runt. We got Last Man Down. Smoke and Mirrors, the story of Tom Savini. Special effects Maverick. Tom Savini. We have nice. Knocking. This is a uh, psychological thriller. Got some cool, uh, cool elements in that one. Didn't love it. We got Dash Cam. This is not the one that I mentioned a couple weeks ago. Are you serious? No, it's a different one. This oh, is a God. different Dash Cam. This is this one has Larry Fessenden in it, but it looks not very good. So mm. on the twentieth. We have Found, that's going to be on Netflix. And then, what is the... Okay, on the 22nd, we have Warning. What is Warning about? It's like a sci-fi movie set in the not-too-distant future. It's an intense sci-fi thriller. Explores the repercussions that humanity faces when omniscient technology becomes a substitute for human contact. Oh, man, looks heavy. Looks like there's some meaning behind that one. We got Rhapsody of Love, No Future, Broadcast Signal Intrusion. That's a decent one. It's a it's a decent little horror film. Every last one of them. Uh, At the Ready. That's a documentary. I believe that's a documentary about uh yeah students in a high school in Texas enrolling in a law enforcement class. Ooh yeah. Ooh, kids come becoming cops. Mm-hmm. No one wants that shit. Nope. Are you kidding? Can you imagine? The Estate, Bergman Island, and that's about it for VOD. All right. Blu-ray this week. Looks like Scream is coming out on 4K. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this, uh, this comes at the heels of the, the trailer for the new Scream movie coming out. I don't know why they didn't call it Scream 5. They should have just kept it numbered. Instead, they went back and they're just calling it Scream. But it is a, yeah. ver- it's, it's a very clear sequel. It's not like a reboot or anything like that. Like You have all the same characters. Courtney Cox, uh, Nev Campbell, and um, David Arquette coming back. They just, they just want to fuck up your internet. That's what it is, man. Like Just call it Scream 5, dude. Like Scream 4 didn't... You- it's not like Scream 4 came out 25 years ago you know like scream 4 is not that old so i i feel like you could call it scream 5 and it would just would work so much better either way i'm i'm down for the new scream it's directed by the guy who did ready or not so or the the two guys who did ready or not so that's that's a bonus got silence of the lambs in 4k coming out demons one and two is uh, coming out on a double pack 4k release man i want to watch that yeah Demons, classic, uh, some classic Italian horror right there. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Old, that's the M. Night Shyamalan that is supposedly atrocious. Uh-oh. I have not, that has not been spoiled for me yet, so I don't know what the twist is. It's a beach that makes you old. Well, no, I know, but there, there, obviously there's some something, some kind of twist. That'd be funny if there wasn't. That, that was it. Like, the, maybe, Just, maybe that's why people got so mad. Maybe. Maybe that's the twist is that there is no twist. They just get old and they they (laughs) die. And they just die and that's it. (laughs) On the beach. That would be interesting. Got Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. 
The Protégé. Those are two movies that came out, and I literally heard nothing about them. Mm-hmm. At least with old, I heard bad things, you know? Yeah, at least old had people talking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a movie called Casual Sex. It's with a question mark with at the end from 1988. This is one of those like VHS, Mill Creek Entertainment VHS things. Look, make, they, they made the Blu-ray case look like a VHS tape with Leah Thompson. Never heard of it, but uh, looks like something I might be into. We got Splitting Airs from 1993. That's also one of those Mill Creek Entertainment VHS things. Rick Moranis. Oh, yeah. Never saw that. I don't think I've seen that. Uh, Called the Conqueror from 1997. Also Mill Creek VHS thing. Uh, No Man of God from earlier this year. I saw this and I literally forgot all about it. I did not log it on Letterboxd. Wow. Yeah. Totally forgot all about this. It's pretty good. Huh. It's it's actually like uh, Elijah Wood plays like a, an FBI agent who is he he is interviewing Ted Bundy. Joe Bell, it's one with Mark Wahlberg, looks pretty bad. Ouija Japan, eh, that's pretty much it. What about Criterion's? Uh, we got two. We got the Incredible Shrinking Man from 1957. Oh man, I want to see. I you know I think I saw this when I was a kid. Well. I I, I really want to. Got that new 4K yeah, digital restoration. The bunch of features on there. Bunch. And then a, a re-release is Ratcatcher from Lynn, Lynn Ramsey. Which, real quick, as much as I appreciate the contemporary picks that Criterion has been doing lately, I, I liked it better when they did these kinds of contemporary picks when they would get stuff that was really difficult to find mm, mm-hmm. or see. You know what I mean? Not streaming titles that you can watch on Amazon or Netflix. Like, international films that were hard to come by. Yeah. Well, The Incredible Shrinking Man's on Peacock. Oh, man, you can't cancel now. <laughs> no. You're going to keep finding things. <laughs> You're going to be stuck with Peacock for the rest of your life. Yeah, probably. Oh, well. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it, send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That would be extremely helpful. For Kevin Rakeshaw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. All right, let's talk about some Halloween Kills spoilers. Spoiler time. One in particular, so, really. Yeah, so you had mentioned the the voiceover at the end being yeah. something that you appreciated. I, I, no, I hated it. Oh, it no, I thought, I, I thought you said you liked it. Well, I liked what they did with it. In ter- like, the voiceover is just really bad. It was poorly written. But the sentiment is, you know, that he's turning us into monsters and mm-hmm. look at us and look what's happening. He's the heat that divides us. You know, obviously trying to do that commentary of the current political situation that the country's in. Yeah, at right? one point, I, like, I messaged yeah. you and I said, is Michael Myers Donald Trump? Because yeah, that's what it exactly. felt like. That's, that's kind of what they're going for, you know. And like, come on, give me a break. It's this is a Halloween movie. It's the Halloween franchise. But I like that as that's happening, and it seems like during that moment, this this collective of strangers in this community are coming together and and conquering Michael Myers with whatever they have, you know, mm-hmm. baseball bats and whatnot. They're victorious, and it. I I like, and I appreciate that. It seems like David Gordon Green's, Danny McBride, and teams their their commentary to that was, oh no, like that's not going to work, like we're fucked, and Michael Myers just completely Wakes annihilates up. Yeah. like the entire fucking town. <laughs> so, yeah, so they kill him at the end, supposedly, and these idiots.
just just think that he's dead. Like they know that he has mm-hmm. like otherworldly powers. So, you know, you you're you're an idiot if you think you can shoot him a couple times and beat him with a baseball bat and whatever and that he's just suddenly dead. Like sorry, mm-hmm. no, that doesn't work. So, mm-hmm. he wakes up and then he kills every single one of them all at once. It's just goes off. Yeah. yeah. And then he kills Especially the, Judy Greer. Like, that, that was the that was kind of surprising that I mean, she was an idiot. Uh for not expecting something like that. Just hours ago. Just hours ago. Mm-hmm. You know that he survived a burning building. Yeah. So what, you set a trap in. So what do you do? You you go you go into his home and you go to exactly where you probably know he'll be and then get killed. Yep. yep. I was but surprised. Also you just, I, I you was, do one little knife stab and you think, yep, that did it. Yeah. That, that, that was the end. That, that, like, that killed it. Yeah, I mean, um, I was surprised that they did kill her off. Now, of course, we don't know for sure that she's dead. No, the, the fucking third one's going to start with her being rushed someone. to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> she's going to be put, <laughs> That's a, she's gonna be put in the bed gonna, next to the, the sheriff and her mom. <laughs> yeah. And Allison's going to be in charge of handling all of it from there on out. Yeah, so we we don't know for sure. They sh- they definitely made it look like she died, but again, they made it look like Will Patton died in the last one. So yeah, it's it's possible that she's going to somehow survive this. But that's the thing; they ended it on a pretty heavy cliffhanger. So uh, a I hate it when movies do that, and uh, b we're definitely going to be getting a third one. It seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the third one's called Halloween Ends. Oh yeah, that's right. I did see that. Halloween ends. So I'm um, I'm assuming that the third one will again pick up on the, the same night. I would I would imagine. Hmm. Yeah, I I don't know, man. It's 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 unfortunate. Just didn't yeah. like how it turned out. And to be clear, I just I wanna preface all of my criticisms. By saying, like, I don't mind it when there's, like, social commentary in horror movies. I mean, horror movies are known for having social commentary. Like, that's one of the reasons I actually love them. But when it's just feels so tacked on and surface level and unnecessary, that's that's when I it kind of bothers me. Yeah, I think my issue, because like you, I don't know. I love a good commentary. I like it when movies have a message. Mm-hmm. But when it's yeah. just so poorly written, my goodness. Goodness gracious. This is written on like a sixth grade level. I don't think that's being general- generous. Yeah. All right. That's Halloween Kills. <laughs>